0: That again, the Lord is good. It's good to see Brock and Shanley and David today. Good to have them back home. Good to have them back home. John chapter 2. You can remain seated today. The reading of the word. I know you've stood for a long time. I'm going to reach back and I'm, I'm reaching to something that I get. I, I probably don't even have to really make this disclaimer because most of you would not have been here and the others would not remember. But I'm reaching back to something I, <laughs> I wouldn't flatter myself to assume you remember all the messages that I preached. I'm going to reach back to something that I touched on one time, and I want to delve into that again. And um, you're going to find it in John chapter 2, beginning with verse number 1. We'll read down through verse 10. The Bible says, "In the third day there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus saith unto him, they have no wine. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. And his mother said unto the servants, Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. That is the key verse that I am preaching from today. His mother told the servants, Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. And there were set there six water pots of stone after the manner of the purifying of the Jews containing two or three firkins peace. Jesus saith unto them, Fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he saith unto them, Draw out now and bear unto the governor of the feast. And they bear it. When the ruler of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and knew not whence it was, but the servants which drew the water knew, the governor of the feast called the bridegroom, And he said unto him, Every man at the beginning doth set forth good wine, and when men have well drunk, then that which is worse. But thou hast kept the good wine until now. I'm preaching to you today, Whatever he says, do it. Whatever he says, do it. But what if it inconveniences me? Just do it. But what if, it, what if it rubs this old flesh wrong? Just do it anyway. Whatever he says, just do it. When we do what God says, there's a blessing in it for us. Amen. Amen. It sure is good to see you all today. Let's pray together, Lord. What an awesome privilege it is to get to preach to this congregation week in and week out. Lord, you allow me to stand up here and minister as your servant. And I'm praying that today you will help us as you have every other time. And that your presence would fill this house in a strong way even as we continue into the word. And I pray, Lord, that we would all be changed by it. And we'll give you praise and glory for that in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. 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 This miracle was the first miracle that Jesus ever performed. And I have, in time past, when I have, when I have preached from this text, I have told you and pointed out the fact that uh, his mother is the one that had to push him into that ministry of the miraculous. And um, you know moms have a way of doing that sometimes. Of pushing you. Anybody thankful for a mom that pushed you every once in a while? <laughs> when, when I preached my first sermon ever. I was. Um, it was in Gurdon. And Papa Harper. I, I've told this story before. Papa Harper came to hear me preach. He was backslidden, had been for years. And I finished preaching that message. And it, it, it I'm sure it wasn't dynamic by any stretch of the imagination. But Paul was back there, and we were praying, and the people were kind. I want to thank, I want to, when, when I get to heaven, I get to thank all the people who've ever heard me preach. I want to always thank you that even if you, even if I just dropped a watermelon that you would come pray anyway. Thank you for that. You helped a young man <laughs> when he was getting started. And uh, those people were so kind that when I gave an altar call, they came and began to pray. Pawpaw didn't. Pawpaw just kind of stayed where he was. and, and But you could tell that, that it had affected him somehow. And my mom went back there, because this is what moms do. My mom went back there, and she came come walking between that pew where he was standing. And before I knew it, Mom was praying with him, had grabbed him by the hand, and was praying with him. And before, before I knew it, they had gone, and uh, some others had gathered around. And Papa had raised his hands; they were praying for Papa. Papa Harper prayed back through that day, and uh, never missed another church service after that until the Lord took him home. Isn't that great? And that, you know. I, I remember, th- I, I, I remember thinking to myself, if that was me, I would not have done that. I would not have done that. I would have been too timid. I would have been too um, embarrassed. I would not have gone and done what mom did that day. But thank goodness that mom pushed through. And sometimes mom just pushed through or pushed us through. And uh, I will tell you this, um, it's, it's good to have a mom like that when, when you've got a brother like I've got. <laughs> Who can be just a baby sometimes. <laughs> and and uh, I would say that if Sean was here today, because I'm his big brother and I can say that sort of thing. Um, Sean just had a, had a little surgical procedure done. And my mother um, is with him, and and is making him get up and and walk and all the stuff you're supposed to do after surgery. And uh, and he <laughs> he's not doing so good with it. And mom had sent an email to my dad, and I got dad was sending it to me so I could just kind of see what all was going on. And she said she said he's she said he's. Uh, he's not like Kenneth. He's a little bit more of a baby. <laughs> so when you see Sean, you can tell him you heard he was a big baby. But Mom has always pushed us, and I'm very thankful for that. Uh, she she made sure that we were going to uh, give it everything we had to succeed in life, and that is a blessing. Jesus' mother, Mary... Um, I. It's a hard thing for me to reconcile the fact that Jesus looked at Mary and said, Woman, what have I to do with you? Mine hour is not yet come. Jesus told her, It's not time. She said, I don't care. <laughs> I don't know how you reconcile that. I don't have enough theology. Experience to, to, to pull something from that and tell you how all that comes together. But I'm going to tell you this he did what she said. <laughs> and so uh, that day, his very first miracle takes place. And I've told you that usually when we preach from this, and, and this is, I've preached this particular thought, that we preach about how he allowed the best wine to be served last. If I was going to preach it from that perspective today, I would tell you that I am so thankful to be alive in 2015. Now, I know we're going through some stuff, and, and I'm, if you'll give me just a moment, I've wanted, I wanted to make a little bit of a statement today. Uh, Clinton, when he led us in prayer today, led us in prayer about the stuff that's going on in Kentucky with Kim Davis, the county clerk there. And I want to make a little bit of a statement about that. Um, and I and I want to be careful because I don't ever want to be offensive to anybody that I pastor, um, and and I try not to be offensive, um, I really do. But I also the the Lord dealt with me. And that's the best way I can tell you. The Lord dealt with me a, a a little while back, and I think I mentioned this to you about the church remaining too silent in the face of things that. Come against us, and um while I don't think we have to respond to every little thing that comes down the pike, what is happening right now is not a little thing, and I think there are some things that we do need to respond to. Um, I understand not everybody's going to agree that's that's their decision that's your choice, however you're going to feel about it, but I am going to tell you how I feel about it as pastor of this church, and that is. That we need to, whether you agree with her or not, you need to agree to support her in prayer as she is going through this. And it really, I know that she's a Pentecostal lady, and so some people think that Pentecostals are supporting her because of that. That is not the only. I would support this lady if she was any denomination. It would not matter to me because she is standing up for what I believe to be her religious rights and liberties. That are being infringed upon. Now the first way I look at this. Is I do look at it from a biblical standpoint. And I yes, totally agree with her. That she. That that I would not want my name. On those marriage licenses. Licenses either. Right. I would not want my name on those marriage licenses. And I know some people have said. Well what about. Divorces or what about this. And, and there's. Argument that says she doesn't sign the divorces. I don't know if she signs those or not. I don't know if she signs for liquor licenses or not. I don't know what all she does. It really doesn't matter. At some point, we have the right to draw a line in the sand and say this this is the, the point of no return. I cannot. You pushed and you pushed and you pushed and you pushed. But I will not go further than this. I don't care if she is a hypocrite. I'm not calling her a hypocrite today. I know some have tried to say that because of her past. Her past is really irrelevant to the discussion. It doesn't matter if she's a hypocrite. It doesn't matter what she's been through. It doesn't matter if she's the, the, the biggest sinner in the world. If she wants to draw the line here and say, I cannot do this, she has every right in the world to do that. And this is not a little thing. This is a big thing. Because however this goes, it's going to set precedent that is going to affect us for years right. and years to come. And so I want you to know that I am very much in favor of her. And that I believe we very much, whether you agree with that, me on that or not, you, you can agree with this. We very much need to be praying for her. And um, I would make you aware that she, she has not broken a law. Um, The Supreme Court does not set law. The Supreme Court interprets law. And the only law that is applicable right now in her situation is the Kentucky law that says marriage is between one man and one woman. And uh, that would be the only law that would apply to this particular situation. So she has not broken a law. And that is not why they have jailed her. And this is what really concerns me. They did not jail this lady for breaking a law. They have jailed her for being in contempt of court. Because the judge said, you are to go do this. And she said, I will not do this. He said, if you don't do this, I'm going to put you in jail for contempt of court. And she said, I I don't want that to happen. But if that's what has to happen, then so be it. And so that is what she is in jail for. And I find that to be a a gross overreach of the judicial system. Folks, folks, and, and, and I'm trying to be very careful right now to not be too political. And I'll get back to preaching in just a moment, okay? I'm trying very careful to not be too political. But when we have actual law-breaking scandals taking place in government, and we're ignoring that to, to put somebody in jail because they won't sign a marriage license, that's messed up. And I think we need to stand and support somebody who's trying to stand up. And none of us in here would want our past being go- gone through with a fine-toothed comb, looking for every inconsistency and every sin and glaring failure that we've ever had. And I don't care who you are. We've all got hypocrisy somewhere in our life. If you look close enough, you're going to find it in all of our lives. So let's... Let, let's B, let's help somebody in a situation like this. And if somebody feels like they need to make that stand, let them make that stand. Let I, I pray I'd make that stand. I pray I'd make that stand. And when somebody's invested that many years in a job and a position, their pension should not be at risk and them have to quit. Well, just quit if you disagree. Just quit. The problem with that is if you just quit... You lose a job that you've poured years into, that you have enjoyed serving the people, and the people obviously have had much confidence in you to come back time after time after time. So I disagree with that as well. And I wanted to say that this morning. I wanted to say that this morning, and and I'm asking that that you would at least pray for her, whether you agree or disagree. And you sure wouldn't have a problem with Christians who want to express their support. I don't think you should... I don't think you 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 should you you have any leg to stand on. And um, for what that's worth, okay. Now, what got me to that? One, I was planning on saying it today, but two, is the fact that I, despite all of that going on right now, I am glad to be living in 2015. Let me tell you why I'm glad to be living in 2015. It's because the best wine has been saved for last that's that's the way it's happening these days the the best wine is being poured out last and i thank god for what he did in the early church i thank god for what he did at azusa street but my goodness i'm thanking god for what he's doing right now i want to thank god go ahead give him a hand clap of praise I want to thank God for every life change that you're sitting in this church today and you're not who you used to be because God got a hold of you and touched your life. I want to give him praise. I'm glad that you experienced the best wine. And it's just gonna increase. It's just gonna continue. It's gonna accelerate. God's gonna, I know the world is, is accelerating in wickedness, but where sin doth abound, grace doth much more abound. And uh, despite all of those things that are going on, God's got a great church. God's church is not one bit in trouble. God's church is not even close to having to shut its doors and, 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 and to and say, we gotta turn out the lights, we're not gonna make it anymore. Folks, this church has never been stronger than it is right now. Never, never, never. The church has never been in a better position than it is right now. We've never been more poised for revival than we are right now. We've never been more poised for healings to take place than we are right now. We've never been more poised for people to receive the Holy Ghost than we are right now. Now, this is the greatest day that the church has ever known. And I want you to understand that there are more people that receive the Holy Ghost in one day. We're in September. In September of 2015, this is the 6th. On September 6, 2015, there will be more people receive the Holy Ghost in this one day than all of the book of Acts added up together. Now you think about that for a minute. tell me this isn't a great day for the church. that's usually what we preach with this text that I've uh, read to you today and, and and that's a wonderful message but but I want to I want to look at it from a different perspective today. We could focus on Jesus in this text and we could focus on Mary and her confidence in who Jesus was and We could focus on the governor of the feast and and his testimony of receiving the best wine last. You could focus on the disciples because the Bible said this miracle, this miracle that Jesus performed is what caused them to believe on him. But what I want to look at it today is through the eyes of the servants. Everybody say the servants. Because more than anybody else in this story, our own lives resemble that of the servants. And so so let's let's let me point three things out to you today about these servants. The first thing that you need to notice about them is that they showed up. Everybody say they showed up. They were there. They made sure to be where they were supposed to be at the right time that they were supposed to be there. I wonder how many times some of us have missed out, On the blessing that comes from serving God simply because we weren't where we were supposed to be at the time that we were supposed to be there. Now it used to be, years ago they would tell you, and I know it wasn't perfect then, but it was probably a little bit better than it is now. It used to be that showing up was not the issue back then that it is today. People used to, if they said they were going to be somewhere, they said they were going to do something, they did it. And, and we're living in an hour. Our generation has a problem showing up. I was supposed to meet somebody yesterday and, and, uh, on some things we're doing with our house. And, and I was supposed to meet him yesterday at a particular time. And, and I, I waited beyond that time for, for, for a while. And finally, I got a call later on said, hey, I've not even left yet. I'm not going to get to make it. And, and we need to reschedule this. And I thought, well, why didn't you not call me? And the way he talked, he knew, he was. He said, I'm busy all day, I'm slammed all day, and I can't do this. And I thought, well, why did you not call me before I got up and got dressed and drove all the way out here and sat out here for 45 minutes with my son in the truck? I'd appreciate it if you'd have called me before then, is what I thought. But I did not say that. (laughs) And I just said, okay, we can do that. But I was aggravated because... Because we're dealing with a, a day and age that people just have a hard time showing up. Truancy is climbing. Kids not showing up to school. People used to uh, save up their vacation time. It used to be they'd save a lot of vacation time up. I, I had uh, teachers who, 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 who saved it up all, so many hours and, and days of vacation and sick time. Uh, one of them even had, uh, I, believe, I believe it was over 100 days of sick time. Uh, saved up and and when we had a coach get sick just took a big chunk of that and donated it to him so that he could have that and still have a salary and all that kind of stuff Um, but today the average worker statistics tell us only has one or two days of vacation time saved up it's because we use it all we use it all now in the parable of the great supper in luke 14 the bible says that a certain man made a great feast, and he bade many to come. And the the man who had, who had prepared this feast, he sent his servants out and said, I want you to go check on all of our invited guests that have not RSVP'd. They have not responded to the invitation, and we have not heard from them. Go check on them and see if they're coming to this party or not, because they have not shown up yet. So they go out. And when they go out, they find out something very alarming. And, and, and that is that they were not going to make it. So they, what's the issue? Why can you not make it? And they said, I bought land and I need to go see it. And I bought oxen and I've got to prove them. And I've gotten married and, and so I cannot come. Just because I got married, I cannot come. <laughs> it's like that should be enough to tell you. I got married. I can't do this. I, I can't come out and play no more. When they told the master of the house this, the Bible says, it made him very angry. And he sent his servants. He said, you are to go out into the highways and into the hedges. And you get everybody that you can get. You go into the, to the most filthy places that you have to go. Go into the slums and get them. Bring me the poor. Bring me the maimed, the imperfect. Bring them all here that my house may be filled. Now it is a shame that that first group of people never got to come because they did not show up. They missed out on the feast, and that is a direct. uh, That parable is a direct uh, story that is connecting to the coming, the return of the Lord. And he was saying, "There is going to be a group of people. They're the group of people that I gave first opportunity to. I've done so much for them. I've given them every uh, every opportunity to succeed in living for me and in life. Yet, when my invitation goes forth, they're not going to make it because they've got too many distractions. They've got land." And they've got oxen, they've got all these things, and they're distracted by all of these things. And it is is going to ultimately keep them from making it to this feast. But God said, I'm going to have a church anyway. That's really where Pentecost came from, by the way. Pentecost didn't always have nice buildings like this. And Pentecost didn't always have uh, the the crowds that we have in a lot of our places now. And we didn't have a lot of the stuff that we've got today. We came from, they used to say, on the other side of the tracks. We came from the other side of the tracks. and, and, And not everybody appreciated Pentecost. And they used to laugh and make fun of the tongue talkers and... They used to laugh and make fun of us because we believed in miracles. And we believed that God was still a healer today, just like he was back in the Bible. And we came a mighty long way. And I want to tell you today that I, this guy's thankful that God said, Go ahead, go get that poor Bill O'Connell. And go get that maimed Nina O'Connell. And you bring them into my house. My parents didn't grow up in this thing. You bring them into my house that my house may be filled. And I'm here today, and I'm benefiting... From the fact that they showed up. And so I'm not planning to get here. And to quit showing up now. I don't plan to do that. I don't plan to get here. And stop being faithful to God. And I don't plan to get this far in my life and say, okay, I'm I'm just going to chill out and take it easy from here on out. And I'm just going to, I'll show up when I want to show up. And I'll be a part when I want to be a part. No, no, it's not going to be able to work that way. He's done too much for me. And if I'm going to be anything in that story, Lord, help me to be a servant that just showed up one day. And I was where I needed to be at the time I needed to be there. And I want you to know today that God's got a blessing for you if you'll just learn how to show up. You'll just learn how to show up. How many blessings have we missed? How many blessings have we missed in a church service that we didn't show up to? On a day where the Lord said, I've got something for David Smith today. And, and And in that service, I'm going to give him a blessing it's going to strengthen him it's going to help him and 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 brother David, you show up all the time so that so that's why I'm picking on you today. but if you had not what what a horrible thing to miss the blessing that God wants to give you that that he says this is the day that I'm going to give you this specific blessing, and this specific blessing is going to be the exact thing that you need to keep going and to make it a little bit. Farther down the road. Now, how horrible would it be to miss it because I did not show up? And I'm not just talking about church attendance, although that's a pretty good argument for church attendance. Wouldn't you agree? But I'm talking about I've got to show up every day in prayer and say, God... I can't go through this day without talking to you. I can't go through this day without spending time on my knees in prayer. Lord, I need your help today. God, I've got to hear from you today. I need to follow the leading of your spirit today. I've got to hear your voice today, God. I'm just here before I I do anything else. I'm just wanting to show up in your presence, God, to tell you that I'm depending on you today. And if you will show up, there is a blessing that God is going to pour out in your life. Just show up. Amen. When God is looking for someone to use, you know who he uses? The one that's there. Isn't that great revelation? Somebody ought to tweet that. God uses the one who's there. Gideon was there. David was there. Isaiah was there. Whom shall I send? Isaiah is in the temple worshiping God. He looks around. I don't see Here I am. Send me. God said, all right, that's all I wanted. I just want to know who was here. That wouldn't mind being sent. He showed up. And when you show up, when you show up, God will use you. Thank God for everybody that shows up. Thank God for everybody that shows up. Then they filled up. Everybody say they filled up. When Jesus told them to fill the water pots with water, the Bible says they did that. But it doesn't just say that they filled them. It says they filled them to the brim. First of all, let me tell you, that, those water pots, that was not the water you wanted to drink out of. That was the water for the purification of the Jews. That's hand washing, feet washing water. That was not drinking water. And he says, fill them up. So they filled them. And they didn't just fill them. They didn't do a halfway job. They did it to the best of their ability. They filled them to the brim. Folks. Half-hearted commitment is one of the greatest enemies of the church that we are facing today. We will not survive with a half-hearted commitment. We've got to make a complete connection to what God is wanting to do and say, Lord, I will do this to the best that I possibly can. I will feel whatever you're asking me to feel. I will fill it up all the way. A half-hearted commitment in that instance would have said this. They, they would have, they'd have been talking among themselves. And they would have said, you know, this doesn't make much sense. Whoever this guy is. Now remember, Jesus had never done a miracle. His mother said, whatever he says, do it. Ladies, when y'all say something, we kind of tend to sit up and take notice and listen. So they said, whoever that lady is, she said, we got to do what he said. So let's do it. So they could have gotten together when he said, fill the water pots. They could have said, you know what? This is ridiculous. It makes absolutely no sense for us to be doing this. And probably some of us would have done that. And we would have said, let's humor him. We'll fill it up a little. We'll fill it up a third. We'll fill it up two thirds. We don't need to do it all the way because this isn't going to help us. That we need wine and he's having us pour washing water into these into these vessels and, and so it's not going to do anything. Let's just let's just uh, do this halfway. That should be enough. But these servants weren't those kind of servants. They were far too committed for that. And when Jesus said, fill them up, they filled them up just as much as they possibly could. And I'm preaching today that we need that spirit as well to get a hold of us. We need the spirit that that says, I'm going to show up. But we also need the spirit that says, I'm going to fill up. It's not crazy. It's really just Bible. Ecclesiastes 9 and 10 says, Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do... Do it with thy might. Whatever it is that you come across. Whatever it is that you are to do. Do it with everything that you have. Don't fill anything up that God puts in front of you halfway. Fill it up all the way. Jesus said in Matthew 5 and 39. He said, I say unto you that you resist not evil. But whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek. Turn to him the other also. And if any man will sue thee at the law and take away thy coat, let him have thy cloak also. And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. Go with him too. Give to him that asketh thee, and from him that would borrow of thee, don't turn away. In other words, Jesus said, average is not what I am calling you to do. Other people do what, will do what is average. But I am telling you that average is your enemy. And Jesus says, the servants that I'm looking for are not average people. They're not people who do the bare minimum. They're people who go all of the way. In each of those scenarios, the average person would maybe walk away after being hit. The average person would walk away after having their coat taken away. The average person would walk away after going one mile. But Jesus said, that's not enough. Do it with all of your might. Go above and beyond. And the servants that our God is looking for, they are above average servants. The people that are in this church today that God says, I want to use you. And I want to to, to allow you to be a pivotal part of my kingdom. They're going to be above average people. You don't just clock in on Sunday. Somebody help me preach you don't just come in on Wednesday and, and 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 punch a time clock and say, well, I did my duty. I showed up. I'm here. Uh, Pastor ought to be happy. The Lord ought to be happy. I showed up and I made it and I'm here. No, the Lord said, I'm looking. That's great. That's wonderful. That's, that's what the average person can do. He said, but the people I want to change this world with, the people that I want to change Jonesboro with, the people I want to change Northeast Arkansas with, he said, they're going to be above average people. He said they're going to put time in in prayer. They're going to give themselves in worship. They're going to give themselves in study of my word. They're going to give themselves to prayer and fasting like I preached about here Wednesday night. And if we could have that kind of a church, if we could raise up a group of saints at sanctuary that are that kind of people, I am telling you that we are poised for the greatest revival that we have ever seen. I hesitate to say this because I don't know that anything will come of it. And so I'm not telling you anything will necessarily come of this. But let me tell you what, what conversation I had the other day. I found out who owns this property right here and got to looking and said, you know, if we cut that down to, to the same level that this is, we might could, we might could uh, put a building on that. If we position it a certain way, we could get a building on that pretty, I think, pretty effectively and 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 so so let's look at this. And I talked with the people, and they said, "Well, well, we've got some more property too with this, and uh, that that could m- maybe be available. We'll we'll have to talk about it and see. But how much would you want?" And I said, "Well, we want as much as we can get." I said, "We want as much as we can get." And and, and so I don't know if anything will come of that or not. They're supposed to sit down with their board of directors and talk about it and, and see if they're willing to part with any of it. And, and it may happen. It may not happen. God's will is going to be done, and, and we're going to do our part. But, but let me just tell you, it could be, it could be, it could be that God's saying, if i got a group of people who will go above and beyond, I, I'm ready to put the building they need next to them so that we can fill that one up too. I keep saying this. week. Go ahead. You've got Praise. I keep saying this week after week after week. And you're probably getting tired of hearing me say it. But I'm saying it because I want it driven down deep in your minds. Folks, I don't know how many gone today. Lots. Lots gone today. I had calls and texts all week from those that would not be able to be here today. But I look and I thought, man, we're not going to have hardly anybody at church. We'll be lucky if we got about 40 folks or so. I, You know, 50 folks maybe and and... and, and and I look around today and I said, man, this is great. We got a good crowd here today. And, and, and if everybody was here, this is what I keep saying. If everybody was here, would y'all do me a favor and everybody get here? <laughs> if everybody was here, I don't know how many hyphen are gone today. They're back home. And I don't know how many uh, families are out vacationing today. And that's all great. I have no problem with that. But if all of us were here we there would not be enough chairs in this room to sit in. And and I'm telling you we're only I mean maybe a week or two or three who knows out from having to go get them out of that room and that room and bring more chairs in here and put them down over here and over here and maybe run some, maybe even make another aisle if we have to and push some of these closer. We try to give you leg room around here, but you may have to eat some of it up and and do what we got to do to get a couple more rows in here. We'll do all of that. We'll get it taken care of. But I'm thinking, Lord, you've been mighty good to us. And God, if we could get a group of people that will show up and a group of people that will fill up and say, we're not content just to be any other church. We're not content just to be any, any old apostolic church. We want to be the kind of a church that people can come to and God can touch their lives and God can change them. Now, you please don't... Please don't misunderstand me today. And I didn't know I'd get into all this, but please don't misunderstand me today because I'm not just trying to, to for us to get some kind of big number around here so we can pat ourselves on the back and say, boy, did you see how many we had in church today? Isn't that great? I, I, could, I really don't want to do that. That's not what this is all about. This really is about saying, we've got to have a place where people can come in and their lives be changed and they walk out the door different than the way they came in and if we're not doing it for that reason then we don't have a right to be here But could it be that God's saying, I'm going to give you a piece of property over here. And I'm going to see what you'll do with it. And I'm saying, God, if you'll give us that piece of property. And you'll make a way for us to put a building on it. And you'll work out a way for us to have a little more parking around here. I'm making a promise to you, God, that we will not just do it half-hearted. But that we'll fill it up. We'll give it everything we've got to see your house full and your table full. Anybody believe what I'm preaching right about now? anybody hungry to see God do a great work in an above-average church? Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. Lord. We've got to give it everything we've got. This church has to be a soul-winning church. This church has to be a witnessing church. You've got to go to work. You've got to go to work and tell people about how good God is. You've got to go to work. And you've got to tell people about how he'll set them free. You've got to go to work. You've got to go to the store and tell somebody. And tell them, say, I want you to know the God I serve. And and, and, and he's a great God. And there's nothing too hard for him. And if you would come to church with me, I'm believing that God will touch your life in a great way. And God will minister to you in a great way. We've got to get after it, folks. We've got to get into the highways and the byways and compel them. We've got to get they reaching with everything that we've got. And I'm not doing enough and probably you're not either. But we need to get hungry about this thing. And say, God, I'm going to get everything i got. God, I'm going to give it everything I've got. That your house may be full. Y'all alright? Third thing. Final thing. They showed up. They filled up. The third thing is that they stepped up. They stepped up to the challenge of bearing that water to the governor. Here they are carrying dirty water. Now, y'all are, y'all are big city folk around here. All you Jonesboroites and some of you others. Even, even Blyville was big city to me. Because most of my formative years... We're spent in a little town called Gurdon with no stoplight, with a Sonic, and that was it back then. Now, they have since got a pizza shack, and it depends because it, it, it goes from owner to owner. One day it's Pizza Shack, next day it's Pizza Barn. Then it's Pizza Shack, and then it's Pizza Barn. <laughs> They're not very original with the name, <laughs> And they've got Allen's Barbecue now. Ooh, that's good. And uh, that's that's where I grew up. And when I got home from school, we hopped on, when I was younger, we hopped on bikes. And we just went all over the place. And our parents didn't worry about us. We were that small of a town. Everybody knew us. There wasn't much trouble to get in. When I got a little bit older, we'd get on four-wheelers. And we'd take off, and we'd ride four-wheelers all over the place. And, and boy, it was a a lot of fun. It was a great, great place to grow up. But the people in Archadelphia, which was the next town over, those people in Archadelphia they thought they were a little bit better than us Gerdonians. <laughs> some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Let me tell you about Archadelphia. Now, I had some of my best friends from there. But they'll still, to this day, give me a hard time. You know what they used to call us? They used to call us dirty water. that's just wrong, isn't it? Say, oh, they're from dirty water. Just don't worry about them. And that's what they called us. Well, this was literal dirty water. And Jesus says, take the water that you just poured out of those purification jars that you put into the vessels. Take that water and bring it to the governor of the feast so can you imagine being that servant who's going first not me (laughs) why not because whoever goes first has to give it to the governor and he's going to taste it in front of everybody and it's not coming out of the one I'm holding (laughs) and they're arguing about it maybe I don't know somehow they stepped up and they go walking out there and they bring it to him and they pour into his glass and he takes a drink and he says wow that's the best you've had all this wedding and however many days it's been this is the best wine that you have brought up until this point you have saved the best for last that's what he tells the owner and the others are looking at themselves saying I'm not drinking it (laughs) I don't care how good he says it is and 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 now that think about that that's pretty impressive because if that water when it gets to the governor is not wine off with their heads you're out of a job you may be out of a life we're going to you're going to pay the consequences of that but they stepped up they were the kind of servants they'd already shown up They had already gone above and beyond and filled up. They said we might as well step up and do what he has called us to do. Jesus had never opened a blind eye. Never lifted a lame man to his feet. Hadn't cast out one devil. No fishes and loaves were multiplied. Those servants didn't have one prior miraculous experience to go on. Seemingly had nothing to put their faith in. But still, there was something about that quiet confidence of Jesus that said, we'll be willing to step up for you, Lord. And so they did. And they go. And to their great delight, the Lord had done a miracle. And all of this stuff was taken care of. Now, what they had to do in order for that to happen is they had to starve their fear and feed their faith. And when they starved their fear and fed their faith, it opened up the door of impossibility that allowed them to become a part of a miraculous move of God. And what we must have is a step up and step out spirit that says whatever Jesus asked me to do, that's the thing that I'm going to do. It doesn't matter if it makes sense to me or not, that's what I'll do. One of the greatest obstacles to the miraculous is our own logic. When we try to think all of these things through. Here's what I'm being asked. But here's the consequences if this doesn't work out. And we will overthink ourselves right past the time of inspiration. Have you ever noticed that it seems like with God. That there is always a window of inspiration that he gives to us. Think about this. You're in that church service. And God moves on you, and God begins to deal with you about something, and He gives you a window of inspiration, and you're convicted or, or or you're inspired, whatever the whatever God's trying to get you to do in your life. There's a window of inspiration, and if you don't act while the window is open, eventually it closes. I'm doing real good preaching right now. It closes. And then you walk away and you say, well, it probably wasn't the Lord anyway. That was probably just me. I was probably just, just feeling that myself. And, and, uh, and, and you walk away from that closed window feeling okay about it. But I come to preach to you today and tell you we don't have time to close any windows. And for us to feel okay about it, we're going to have to go above. We're going to have to go beyond. We're going to have to step out. If you don't do it, he's going to call some other servant to come in, and they will. When Peter was out fishing that day that they caught nothing, Jesus told him, he said, Launch into the deep and let down your nets for a drought. A drought. And Peter said, Master, we've toiled all night, and we've taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. It didn't make any sense. And I know that in some... to, to some degree, Peter disobeyed because he let down one net when Jesus had commanded he put down nets, plural. But I do want you to realize something. Despite his protest that this would be an exercise in futility, Peter did get the net out and he did throw it in the water when Jesus said to do it. And I want to tell you today that you don't have to understand everything about what God's telling you to do in order for you to do it. Just get up and do what God said to do. To obey is better than to sacrifice. Those were Samuel's words to Saul. And the reason that obedience is better than sacrifice is because, number one, obedience often costs you more than sacrifice does. And number two obedience opens the door for victory in your life. And I came to preach to you today and I came to tell you whatever it is that God has told you to do, you need to get up and you need to do it. You need to quit putting it off. You need to quit waiting. You need to quit holding back. You need to get up and say, God, you said it, then I'm going to do it. I'm going to give it everything I have. I'm going to show up. I'm going to fill up. And I'm going to step up, God. I'm going to do the thing that you have called me to do. Quit trying to reason it out. Quit trying to make it make sense. Quit trying to understand it. You're never going to understand it. Do you hear this, Pastor? You're never going to understand why. it. To this day, it does not make sense why you should put the dirty water into the vessels that you're going to pour wine out of. It doesn't make sense. It didn't make sense 2,000 years ago and it doesn't make sense today. It never has. It never will. Just do it. Just do it. And there are those of us in this room that God has been speaking to about different things. God has been pulling you and prompting you and saying, come on, come on come on and you don't even realize the blessing that you're missing out on in your life you don't even realize the miracle that you're going to be that you're not going to be a part of if you don't obey God in that window of opportunity and some of those windows had closing and some of you when I started talking about windows a moment ago you had some of them come into your mind and you said I know exactly what he's talking about because I remember the window of this, that I didn't, I didn't move. And I remember the window of that, and I didn't, I didn't obey God. And God has allowed that to come into your mind while I was preaching to you about it just a moment ago. Let me tell you what I feel like is happening in this service. God sent me here today to preach this message to you. To say, I'm, I want them to understand, I'm going to open that window up again one more time. I'm going to open that window up again one more time. And I'm going to give them my opportunity. And if they can get past their own logic. And they can get past their own, their own sense of trying to understand it all. And trying to make it work in their power. and you know, if, if they can do all of that. And just obey me. They're going to find that obedience is better than sacrifice. And that I will do a great thing in their life. If they'll just do whatever it is I'm telling them to do. I feel the Holy Ghost in this house right now. I feel the tug of the Lord that's reaching for us and saying, Come on. Come on. You can do this. The servants that God is after, the servants that God needs to see this come to pass, Are the ones who will show up. They will fill up. And they will step up. Is there anybody here today. As we stand together. In this church. Is there anybody here today. That says God I'm tired. Of trying to work it out myself. And I'm tired of arguing with you. About these things. God I'm going to quit that. Today I'm just going to do what the preacher said. And whatever you tell me. That's what I'll be doing, God. Is there anybody who feels that way? And you'd step out from where you are right now and you'd come join me around the front of this church and we together would begin to seek God and say, Lord, let your will be accomplished in my life. I'm coming to obey your word. I'm coming to obey your word. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now, you need to go ahead and you need to talk to him this this morning. You need to speak to him this morning. If you've been arguing with him and you've been pushing back, you need to repent. Lord, I'm, I'm telling you today, I'm done with that i come to obey you. I've come to obey you. Ministry that God has for you. It's going to happen when you just do it. When you just listen and obey. You're going to find the door begins to open up. Callings that are on your life. They've just been sitting there dormant. What are they waiting on? They're waiting on for you. They're waiting on you. Saying, God, I'll do what it takes to be chosen. I'm coming to you today, Lord. I'm coming to you today, Lord. convicting presence of the Lord here right now (laughs) in the name of Jesus you've been going back and forth to and fro and you already know what the answer is and you're not going to get any kind of relief and you're not going to get any kind of peace about it till you obey God. It's just the way it's going to be. And you're going to continue to feel that friction and you're going to continue to feel that struggle. until You just do what He said to do.